Hello, and welcome to the Cannabis Corner. I am your host, Joshua Braff, and I'm here with my partner, Farmer Adam Teitelbaum. Today we have Gooey Rabinsky. Gooey is a senior technical writer, instructional designer, and photographer who specializes in compliance documentation for legal cannabis businesses throughout the United States. Rabinsky has developed more than 130 cannabis permit applications at the municipal, county, and state levels. This includes applications in Indiana, Maryland, Nevada, Ohio, and Pennsylvania, as well as more than 100 county-level cultivation applications in Humboldt County, California. Since 2004, Rabinsky has contributed long-form articles to media outlets such as High Times, Skunk Cannabis Culture, Waxy Green Flower, Media Heads, all of those big names. We're so glad to have you, Gooey Rabinsky. Welcome to the Cannabis Corner. Hey, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. It's, uh, it's always fun to talk about what's going on in the cannabis industry and the culture. Yeah, we have so many um, people who come in different ways, and it's so great to read about you and, and see all your efforts. And we are in the truth-telling business, the demystification of cannabis as medicine. We see communities and specific people who are in need in various ways, and I'm sure you know all about this. Tell us a little bit about how you came to care about this, maybe what year it was that you said to yourself, hey, this works for me, I don't quite care what my government's telling me, Uh, I feel joy, and and shouldn't that be enough? How did you come into this and and give us a little bit of your story? Well, maybe it's a bit ironic, because You know, there's a lot of talk in the industry as we regulate and legalize about preventing diversion of product to minors. And the first time I consumed cannabis, I was 14 years old. Mm -hmm. Certainly not an adult, but it showed me that it just it wasn't the demon Mm -hmm. that at that point, uh, 60-something years of prohibition, had tried to make it out to be. And so I, from a very young, impressionable age, perceived it to be something... uh, now, I, I didn't consider it medicinal, but I certainly didn't consider it toxic. Mm-hmm. And in my teenage years, I had sampled whiskey. My dad was like a rat pack kind of guy. You know, he loved a cocktail after work, right? Mm-hmm. So I was very familiar with, with alcohol mm-hmm. and, and you know, the, the potential harms of that. And cannabis just, I, I was like, wow, what's what's so scary here? Now, Fast forward to about 2003, and I was a technical writer for the IT departments of banks and insurance companies, Fortune 200 stuff, where it's all very buttoned down and really conservative. But, you know, if you do consume cannabis, you don't talk about it at work. Right. And my brother invited me to a music festival. And I was like, yeah, what, what the heck? And it just kind of opened this whole new world to me. You know, I talked to some intelligent, experienced people who started saying, hey, you know, this is medicine. Well, of course, we had the Internet, so all I had to do was go home after the festival and clickety-clack and, you know, what's going on with this uh, plant called cannabis? Right. What's the dynamics here? And I was amazed at what I found, you know, testimonials from people with MS and cancer, dystonia, glaucoma, just the list of ailments that it treated blew my mind. So then when you dig a little deeper and you learn about the endocannabinoid system and individual cannabinoid efficacy, I thought, wow, I was was pissed off that my government had been lying to its citizens for damn near a century. But uh, as a writer, I just felt compelled to take what I had learned and share it with others. And it, you know, started with magazines like High Times and Cannabis Culture, and then it's just kind of uh, evolved along the way. So you took your experience as a writer and said, I'm going to apply this. Uh, My efforts are going to matter because I want a lot of people to hear this. 
And you were never afraid of cannabis causing brain damage. Uh, it didn't seem like you were. You said, you know, there wasn't, there wasn't a sense that this was toxic. What could be so bad? And then you, you research and you realize there's this flood of, of possibility here. And so what was the next move? Uh, you, you went on to write. You went on to write a lot. You know, I, I enjoy writing. Yeah. And they're always little research projects to me, you know, because sometimes actually writing a piece, say an article, is 20 or 30% of the work. And 60 or 70% of the work is learning what you're going to write about. Mm-hmm. There's kind of a model and instructional design that says you have to know about two to three, preferably three times as much about a topic in terms of depth and breadth mm-hmm. if you're going to offer some sort of training or, or teaching on that subject. So I just enjoy research. We have these wonderful tools called, you know, MacBooks and Wi-Fi and iPhones, and, you know, we can do research at our fingertips right. uh, in spontaneous fashion, standing in line at the grocery, you know. Right. And, uh and it's a great thing, but because of the underground nature of the culture, there's not a whole lot of reliable sources. So I, I think that's one thing that readers and especially patients who are actually sick, you know, they have serious diseases and ailments, and they're looking for concrete information, not on how they can get high. They know how to help do that, on how to intelligently treat their condition. And, some, you know, sometimes that's kind of hard to find. There's There's still a lot of really shady poorly written, poorly researched content out there. And and I feel sorry for readers because, you know, they've got to try to filter out the good content from the bad. Is some of that bad writing trying to indicate cannabis as a negative? Or is it mostly the bloggers attempt to say, oh, my God, you wouldn't believe this new bud I just broke into? Is there a sophistication to the attempt at the knowledge? Or is it sort of just the Jeff Spicoli, Cheech and Chong approach? (laughs) I mean... We continually in this culture that's evolving into an industry have the quote-unquote recreational versus medical debate, right? Yeah, right. And because it's been an underground culture and head shops and Cheech and Chong and, like you say, you know, Jeff Spicoli, you know, because Hollywood and the entertainment industry have obviously played on those stereotypes, and I'm not saying they're evil to do so, but Spicoli did come off as someone who had rotted his brain from smoking too much weed and kind of played into that stereotype. Back to the content types, it's nice to see the industry evolving to the point where, you know, you've got some reliable sources out there, like Leafly, for example, Mm -hmm. Uh, Mass Roots, some, you know, some other things. It's very dynamic right now. Everything's not very reliable. A source that uh, might have been really great two years ago might not be around anymore, right? Right, right. So there's not stability in the magazines and the media outlets, and it makes it kind of challenging for me sometimes because, it, well, obviously, you know, if they can't pay me, I'm probably not going to stick around for very long. Right. So, you know, there might be a lot of money on the cultivation side and distribution and retail side of business, and that's even questionable. I think that's overhyped. But when it comes to the information side of it and magazines, media outlets, uh, entertainment, it's still really kind of the infant stage, and there's just not a ton of money there. Right. It says here you're an encyclopedia of cannabis knowledge. Is that a fair assessment of you? Honestly, encyclopedia is an overstatement. Uh, <laughs> okay, we won't, we won't ask any, we won't go that far, but you've read it. You've... But someone else says that. I never... <laughs> 
Yeah. Never call yourself an expert, right? <laughs> you've read and uh, so much, and you've turned yourself into an educator of sorts. And it's important to you, I can sense, that people read what you have to say. In 2018, in our current state, the articles that Adam and I juggle and put on Insta or Twitter are endless, and they're all positive, and they seem to be written pretty well. So you're now amongst a, a world of everybody trying to, to do it. I'm sure you ha- your, your head start in your education and, you, and in your ability to write probably matters, though, right? What might be on your table today? What, what's on your mind today? What is your aim currently? You know, to make a living, I'm focused on compliance documentation here in California, but I have compliance clients across the country. I've worked Ohio applications, yes. Pennsylvania, Maryland, uh, you know, I do them nation, nationwide, but LA is a good place for me to be right now. So actually, my focus is not on the articles get me the most attention. Mm-hmm. It's probably 80, 90% of the work I do on a weekly basis is behind the scenes, not real sexy stuff that nobody sees like, you know, uh, municipal applications for a retail dispensary Apple license, you know, stuff right. like that. The stuff that actually pays, uh, that's uh, the rigmarole of the of how, how the regulations are unfolding. I mean, you've got quite a bit to understand to take on these tasks, which is great because you, you need to be paid for it. It's very complicated it's yeah. because it's lawyer stuff, it's right? Like it looks it's like it, yeah. Lawyers get four or $500 an hour uh, because sometimes the regulatory language is very thick. Yeah, it's complicated. And and a lot of these states, if it's a voter referendum, if the voters say, we want metaphor, we want adult use, whatever, but they legalize in some fashion, it doesn't mean that the forces that be in that state are happy with that, right? Right. Because it didn't go through the legislature. It it, it was uh, on the ballot. And they often, their regulatory language is so strict and so detailed, they're you know, yes, they want to protect their population. They want to make sure they don't get contaminated product and there's not a bunch of shady players and black market diversion. Yes, absolutely. And those states are wonderful to do that. But the, their applications for a license and the regulations pertaining to the operation of those businesses uh, in those states are so arduous to to be what I call a soft ban. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like... They're making it so difficult, yeah. either in terms of defense or, or what the business has to do. So, yeah, you know, it's both uh, – I enjoy paying my bills, certainly, but it's uh, both kind of a happy and sad situation of seeing how some of these jurisdictions are managing their regulations. Are you hopeful for cannabis becoming even more ubiquitous for the elderly, for – the sick, for even the young who might take it stigma-free? Are you feeling that what's approaching is for the benefit of, of us, or do you think that the rigmarole and attention to detail and, and government influence could thwart this kind of progress? It, it would be hard to thwart it the way it looks like it's coming next 10 years, right? Right. Yeah. Well, and they want their slice of the, of the tax revenues or the, exactly. the money flow in right. whatever form. Nebraska's getting on board because of taxes. Yeah, and everybody will eventually yeah. because, you know, think of the political pressure. Hey, our neighboring state, they're paving their roads and their elected representatives all look good in the media because, you know, they're funding the schools, yada, 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 and they're doing it in large part due to uh, cannabis tax revenues. That, that's going to put pressure on all the neighboring states to do the same exactly. thing. Exactly. 
Adam, yeah, I, I think yeah. it's I think it's with a combination of also citizens saying, "Hey, we want a, a choice in our medicine as well." And yes, here's how you can benefit. And besides, you know, if you're around states that are legal, you're having that stuff flowing over your borders anyway. Right, exactly. And that brings up that whole other issue of, you know, here's the theoretical structure of how we're trying to legalize and regulate cannabis in the United States. And here's the reality. And, you know, that's a totally different layer. It's been around for 80 years, and uh, it's not going away overnight. You wrote a book, GUI, called Understanding Medical Marijuana. It's available on Amazon, Kindle. When did you write that book? Uh, what was the process like for you? Similar to writing articles? or? Um, it was an interesting time in my life when I started the book. And it's, it's a very short book. It's just kind of like a long treatise, really. Okay, good. Uh, People like that. Uh, yeah, and that's, a, that's another story. Maybe we can get into some other time. My approach to packaging this educational information in such a way that you know, nobody wants a 400-page book. Right, right. But uh, I, I've kind of been inspired uh, from interviewing Jack Hare in California. Mm-hmm. And I lived in Ohio at the time, so I... Well, flew to California, spent a couple weeks, uh, uh, spent time with, with Jack and other people. And, you know, Jack was very focused on the history and corruption. You know, he had that nice belligerent East Coast thing going on <laughs> where uh, he was really he was really pissed off that the citizens had been lied to. Yeah, And, and I thought, okay, well, I want to do my own research, you know, and his book, The Emperor Wears No Clothes, was certainly part of that research. You know, I was a technical writer. I needed to start dropping my research someplace, so I started dropping it into a Word file, and uh, that eventually evolved into what is now the book. And I really think of the book as kind of like phase one. I'd kind of like to, to take it to phase two here in the next year or two. And oh, good. As a body of knowledge, it's just one little splash, right? So overall, it's going to tell people about the history, and, and yeah, it's very educational. But, you know, how do you, how do you go beyond that into the day-to-day use or commerce of, of cannabis? Well, and, testimony is, is always your friend here. And I think it's very powerful, too. Even the most conservative Republican, if there's a six-year-old child who's having a couple hundred seizures per day and zero quality of life, they're sensitive to that also. So <laughs> I, I think I, the testimonials and those patient profiles are extremely powerful ways for us to get rid of the stigma because, hey, you know, if you're a conservative Republican in Alabama, you might think that everyone who consumes cannabis is like Cheech and Chong or Spicoli, right? Until that six-year-old comes into your life, until that 90-year-old woman who has been having migraines all these years and hasn't tried a CBD tincture because she's so busy taking the pill that was given to her. So the testimonies will knock you over and every age is involved and dogs and cats are involved in Right. That I think that writing the history is very, very important on top of it because it shows you that the plant was never a danger. The language that was created in the propaganda was where the danger was created. And, of course, uh, heroin and cocaine were, were the bad guys and, and remain bad guys. You don't see podcasts about heroin and cocaine helping people with their health and with their anxiety. So there's so much to be said with that. So you're going you're gonna to start a new book? I would, I would actually like to do a series of books. Mm-hmm. But it, does, it is daunting because when I, I've got a little spreadsheet and I've shared it with a couple of my colleagues to get their feedback and to kind of create a foundational knowledge base, if you will, for cannabis. And I'm not talking about any of the current events or news issues at all. I'm talking about endocannabinoids, mm-hmm. Turkey, yeah. 
patient profiles. Here's a Crohn's patient. Here's an MS patient. Here's an epilepsy patient. You know, really dig into to those topics from a few different angles. There would be a couple hundred articles, but it could monetize by rolling it up into a couple dozen books. And you know, I'd like to think that people still read books. It's not just all headlines coming across on Facebook. So, you know, it would offer some free information. In fact, in theory, you'd offer the entire collection for free, like on a website, and then roll it up in those individual topics like PTSD, mm-hmm. for senior citizens, et cetera, roll them up into eBooks and, you know, offer them to people that way. Because it, it's hard. Everybody likes to consume content in a different way. On a different device. Yeah. As far as digital sales, it's a real trick to be able to uh, evoke a message. When you're in the cannabis world, the message is one you need to repeat. And the language you use is crucial because not everybody has the time to listen to you. And we are quick to label. That's right. We are very quick to label. I mentioned Jeff Spicoli. And if any of that's coming through in the legitimacy of a sentence that suggests an elderly person or a child could benefit from cannabis, there's just a laugh there. And so, obviously, we see the tide changing. The marketing of of herbal products, the marketing of cannabis is a lot like the holistic market. So it's a a slick approach. It's a pink box. I think that's never going to change because, again, the testimony is never going to be negative. It just isn't any way you approach it. You eat three brownies, you, you might have a bad night. Um, it's very, very hard, yeah. very hard to find yourself in a pocket of trouble, whereas all kinds of pills and, and other recreational drugs can really derail you. So it's so nice to hear about this and, and, and know that you're going to bring more information to people in your efforts. We'll have more with Gooey Rabinsky in a future episode of The Cannabis Corner. Farmer Adam and I are going to take a short hiatus from the Cannabis Corner, but we'll keep our social following on Twitter and Instagram going all the way to our return. We post truly amazing articles daily that pour from a faucet of commentary in a variety of publications, all on the crucial importance of hearing and utilizing the truths regarding cannabis as medicine and how it's safer for people you love than many drugs. Our efforts are very important to us as we too are users and proud of our culture and have lived through the past three decades witnessing a movement that connects to human rights, patient rights, civil rights, the rights of the elderly, of children children of a teenager receiving a Prozac prescription today without knowing there is a first step that is no longer illegal. It's a holistic first step at remedying a common ailment, anxiety, depression, self-doubt. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate your encouragement and look forward to all that's to come. If you'd like to donate to the Cannabis Corner, just text CBD to 555-888. That's text CBD to 555-888. We so appreciate you and thank you. Welcome back to the Cannabis Corner. Today we have Amanda Klutz, who is the founder of The Rope NYC, a former Rockette, Broadway dancer, and head trainer at Bodies by Simone. Amanda has developed a new cross-trainer dance hybrid class called The Rope, which is taught at Brandeer's Studio in New York City. The Rope New York City is no joke. I met someone who said, I took Amanda's class and I could not keep up. So it's heavy-duty training. 
A jump rope is used, and we're going to ask Amanda about it. But the reason we have her on the Cannabis Corner today is that I was at a party, and I overheard Amanda say, I use a cannabis cream on my body at night after these intense workouts. And Amanda is in the throes of working out a lot of the day, leading these classes of very, very fit people. And we hadn't done a show on on cannabis cream or anything like that. And I looked it up. It's cannabis-infused lotions work by binding to a network of receptors called CB2. These CB2 receptors are found throughout the body and are activated either by the body's naturally occurring endocannabinoids or by cannabis compounds known as THC or CBD. So we have an athlete on the show. Finally, we've been <laughs> we 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 wanted to get an athlete on to say, yes, I use this. And, and what is, and is there a stigma for a person like Amanda Klutz, who's all over social media in talking about a cannabis cream? So let's talk. Welcome, Amanda. Hello. Hello. You <laughs> use this product. Is it each day after a huge workout or is it on certain days you use it? Tell us about it. Yeah. So I, you know, sometimes I work out up to eight hours a day, wow. uh, starting in the morning and <laughs> ending late at night. So by the time I get home around 9 p.m., I'm exhausted, of course. And my client actually suggested me using this cream because I had been telling her that my ankles and my feet were hurting me so much, obviously from just being on them all day and jumping around. So, you know, after I you know shower and clean up, I started rubbing my feet and ankles with this muscle relief lotion. And I was shocked and awed when I would wake up the next morning and would have no pain in my feet where previously I would get up and kind of have to like slowly move my way to the kitchen to make my coffee because my feet hurt so bad. So then I kind of just started putting it everywhere <laughs> on yeah. my knees, on my shoulders, on my neck. Right. And now I'm a believer. Okay. <laughs> it wasn't as if you were into cannabis, you know, before on a, on a big level, right? No, no. In fact, I mean, I grew up in Canton, Ohio, and I remember being in health class in fourth grade and being told that marijuana is, you know, an awful drug and seeing pictures of people smoking joints and, you know, no, 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 stay away from drugs. And so for my whole life, I kind of thought that marijuana was not good, you know, like druggy central, bad. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We all thought. Um, Yeah. We all thought. (laughs) So no, I had a very much kind of, I don't really do drugs. I don't, I don't even, you know, smoke marijuana or, or anything, but, uh, it it just, you know, never was something that occurred to me to use that, you know, I kind of was ingrained to me as a little girl, like you just don't, you just don't go near it. So yes, it it was kind of shocking to me to now find it at, at a later stage in my life, but to be such a wonderful thing for my body as an athlete who is on, you know, my feet and on using my body all day long. Eight hours of working out and it's class after class and all kinds of responsibilities. I've seen you on the Today Show recently. And so things are sort of popping for you as a as an entity of mm-hmm. health and optimism. And mm-hmm. uh, it's really cool to watch. Um, and then here you are using this. Did you ever use a cream before this that was... I would imagine it wasn't as effective because you were looking for something else. But there are creams. What's that name of that cream? Um, 
Biofreeze. Have you? Uh, Biofreeze is one that I've used before. It's kind of you put it on and it makes your muscles kind of freeze and feel cold and and supposedly relief. And it didn't work for you as well. I mean, it would maybe work, but it's almost instant relief mm-hmm. when I put the cannabis cream on my joints, especially like my knees and my ankles. Within five minutes, I just feel a relief in the tension and pain in my joints. It's crazy. That's amazing. We hear about the endocannabinoid system and different people reacting differently. And yours is absorbing this cream with a thirst, and then Mm -hmm. it's working so quickly. It's so interesting. It's important to note that even if a topical contains active THC, it still won't induce that intense high you'd get from smoking or ingesting cannabis. So, Amanda, you've never felt a little lightheaded or silly, or your appetite hasn't been triggered by the cream in your bloodstream or anything like that? No, I mean, not that that I'm aware of, no. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you're not aware... Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, Josh, I haven't talked about using cream at all on the podcast, but I've been using creams for years. And the first ones that I ever got actually were, were from Tim Gordon, one of our earlier guests. Yeah. His wife had made a salve, and I started using that back in, I think, 07, mm-hmm. 06, mm-hmm. 07. Mm-hmm. And it was fantastic. But now, you know, with all the companies that have come on board, I have three different brands of creams on my bedside table. Mm-hmm. That, and I rotate them, and I use it every morning, every night. And, I mean, what a huge difference it makes for somebody who has aches and pains. And I actually don't know anybody who's ever used it who said anything negative or neutral. I've Everyone who uh, has ever used it has said, oh my gosh, I can't, I can't believe how effective this is. And of course, people who don't use um, are concerned about getting high, but you don't get high from it. Um, I think it's phenomenal stuff. And, you know, I mean, I'll imbibe cannabis in any form. So I'll bathe in it, rub it, <laughs> roll around in it, smoke yeah. it, drink it. It makes me think that the, like a bath lotion is coming down the pike. Well, or, there are. There, well, there oh, are. Sure, there, yeah. there are bath salts, uh, tons mm, of bath, bath salts, salts actually made by, I think, by the same manufacturer, uh, the same company that you use, Amanda, because I believe yours is from Dixie Elixirs. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Okay, yeah, Dixie. Is. That's that's yeah. an important one. There are more high end creams than others, isn't that true, Adam? You said Dixie was a good one. What does that mean? Yeah, Dixie has done a lot. I mean, they've put a lot into their product development and have done a good job. They offer a variety of creams and bath salts, etc. But there's also there's other companies. There's Mary Jane's Medicinals, or I don't. I think it's just called Mary Jane's. And then there's. Mary's Medicinals, and then there's another company called Synergy. Some of these have, you know, CBD, CBG, THC, or a variety of them, or just CBD. So there's there's a variety of creams. I find that the ones with THC and CBD have helped me at least the most. And do you ever feel a euphoric feeling from that, Adam, the creams? No, no. That's why I then go hit the bong. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, I've seen him do that. He no, really yeah. does that. There's no psycho. Yeah, there's no, that's, a, that's an important it. thing for everyone to hear is, yes. Well, you, but I think that's yeah. because of what you mentioned, Josh. You said yeah. that it was the CB2 yeah. receptor that uh, connects with that. It's the CB1 where you're getting this, you know, in the brain, that's where those are. And that's why we get the psychoactive effects from that. But you don't have CB1 receptors in your epidermis and what have you. Right, I see. 
what an interesting thing also that the world is filled with creams. Uh, to get into the skin cream business now would be needle in a haystack. Why do you stand out? And then here's one that's working extremely well on an athlete like Amanda right away. And yeah. you couldn't find a TV ad for it in a mil- you know, for a decade, maybe, maybe less than a decade. But what an important product that doesn't get you high, that works very, very quickly and is sort of telling of the disconnect of, America's ability to accept this on, you know, wholly. And then, of course, the race to be the one that makes the most dough once the gate is open to, you know, all the women of New York understanding that this is the cream to get. So, um, <laughs> okay, but now in New York, there's only medical marijuana. So, I, I mean, you know, again, you can't get this everywhere. Now, Amanda, if one of your clients comes and has heard the show and says, I hear you put CBD cream on your body at night, mm-hmm. you'd be wide open to say, yeah, this really works for me, partly because you're not getting high. And that would seem to be the big the the skeptic would say, well, you're high, you know, right. how, how could, <laughs> as if that's the worst thing in the world. But you, you're going to work, you're you're responsible, you are not high, but you're, you're proud to say, I found a product that works for me. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. In fact, I tell a lot of my clients about it. If they complain of their body aching or soreness, muscle soreness, muscle stress, tension, especially, you know, a lot of clients, because we carry stress in our neck and shoulders, so many people have that neck and shoulder tension. And I tell them all the time, if you can get your hands on some sort of cream with the THC in it and, you know, just rub your neck and shoulders at night, you'll wake up and you'll feel like you had had a massage. And there's probably some wariness of, will I feel high? Have you ever heard? Yeah. yeah. Oh, a little bit. But then I always tell them like, no, I, I use it every night. And just, you know, no, I, I feel my muscles relax, but I never feel like I get a high from it. You know, it's just such a shame that a product like this that's not psychoactive yeah. that uh, many of us have found to be very helpful is not accessible for most people. That's that's right. unfortunate. That is unfortunate. Yeah, you'd think that the cream that doesn't get you high might be one of the first steps for people to understand what they don't understand. But here it is sort of coming down the pike. I have a feeling that uh, New Jersey, New York, tri-state areas going to figure this out and allow people to get what they need. But the notion that an athlete, and we laud our athletes in this country, boy, the notion that they'd have something that's very, very good for them, that gets them up in the morning and ready to go win again, should be available. Yes, and I agree. But not only that, Josh, let's just go to, you know, cannabis flower itself, whatever the THC uh, content might be. There are plenty of professional athletes who have used it through their careers, um, and who have used it after most people tend to come out after, I mean, like somebody like Ricky Williams from the NFL had many issues with getting suspended for cannabis use while he was playing and ended up leaving the game because of that before he came back. And then he went ahead and has founded the first cannabis friendly gym. Oh yeah. I heard about that. Oh, wow. So. I mean, that's really wild. I think that's really very much on the frontier. They wouldn't let Ricky use his weed. I don't know, was it because it was a performance-enhancing drug? I haven't heard that said yet, although there could be an argument for that. Mm -hmm. But yet Bud Light has a six-year deal with the NFL. Like, how hypocritical is that? Well, that's the old story. 
prohibition is lifted and people figure out that the consumer can drink this while they watch sports. Think about the business, the cash of a baseball season opens today, what they'll make. In, in, uh... No, exactly. So then why are you restricting your athletes from using a less, you know, a more benign product? That could be way good for them. That's important to know. Right, notice. and and, yeah. and many many do. You know, yeah. um, what's interesting is as far as professional sports is that the NHL does not have cannabis on their banned substance list. Isn't that interesting? Oh, really? So you can see this moving forward. And you're Amanda, you're really our first athlete, and eight hours of workout a day, and then finding yourself being able to get up in the morning quicker is a big deal to people. They should hear that and that you're not getting mm-hmm. stoned. Tell us a little bit about uh, The Rope NYC. You Is this your curriculum? Did you come up with this? Yes, it's the uh, it's a jump rope workout that I created that did not exist. It still does not exist anywhere else in the entire world. It's a 55-minute workout where you use the rope to do jumping intervals, but then you also tone your entire body throughout the class with the jump rope. So I've created unique moves where you hold the jump rope in certain ways to tone your arms, your abs, and your leg. And then there's four different jumping intervals where you work on coordination, which is one of the things that jump rope helps you with. Endurance, which is another reason why jump roping is so great to build your endurance and your speed and stamina, all with toning your entire body. So it's kind of this mega workout in 55 minutes that has changed my body. It's it's crazy. And the bodies of the people that are have to come work with you. Yes. <laughs> There's a group of... Is it, it's men and women, right? Yes, it's men and women. I mean, where I teach is a little bit geared more towards the female crowd. But yes, men do come and they love the workout, actually, because jump roping is, you know, obviously kind of associate with boxers. So yes. it's also, you know, it has a very manly aspect to it as well. Yeah, that's right. And uh, boy, anybody who knows it, has ever used a jump rope knows how fast you can get in shape. But Amanda's saying, utilize it this way, have your body like this. And so it's really interesting. How does a person learn about you on social media, Amanda? You can follow me at Amanda Klutz on Instagram or at The Rope NYC on Instagram. Klutz with a K, right? K-L-O-O-T-S. Yes. And that's kind of like my main social media outreach. But then I also have a YouTube channel, Amanda Klutz, and on Facebook, also Amanda Klutz. But Instagram is pretty much my my go-to social media. If somebody wanted to do uh, one of your programs, like remotely by satellite or what have you, is it they could go on to your YouTube channel and you kind of lead them through a class? Is it like that? So they would go uh, on my website, amandaklutz.com. And I have two jump rope videos that you can purchase. One is a all cardio workout for 20 minutes with the jump rope. And the other is a 20 minute toning all with the jump rope. So you can combine them to make a 40-minute workout where you're toning and jumping or use them individually to do um, just cardio or just toning. And then on Instagram, I go live Monday through Friday and jump 10 minutes a day, and that's free. And you can just join me when I go live, grab your jump rope, and try to jump 10 minutes with me every day. And I do that to encourage people to just work out for 10 minutes a day, even if that's all you have, because I truly believe that 
you know, we all get very busy and we all get focused on what we have to do and where we have to be, go and work. But everybody has 10 minutes. And I think that if you have 10 minutes, pick up a jump rope. You can jump anywhere in your house, in a driveway, in a parking lot, in a hotel. And you pick up that jump rope and I'm with you every day and we do 10 minutes. And I save it on my Instagram for 24 hours. No matter where in the world you are, you can jump with me for 10 minutes and have somebody to work out with. That is really cool. You can wake up and jump with Amanda. Now, can you grab <laughs> can you grab any jump rope from your garage, or does it? Or is it better to go get a good one? Well, you can, but I would suggest buying my jump rope. <laughs> oh, okay. Does it have your the picture AK, on it? <laughs> it doesn't, but um, mm-hmm. the AK jump rope, it's going to come out in two weeks, and you can buy that on my website, amandaclutes.com. And of course, I'll announce when it is all ready for purchase on Instagram, but it's an amazing rope, actually. It has, It's adjustable, so it works for any height. And it has embedded rubber in the handle so that you always have a good grip with your jumping. And the rope is non-coil. So as it's rolled up and packaged in the carry bag that it is included in, mm-hmm. it never gets tangled up when you come out and you start to jump. So mm-hmm. gotcha. um, it's gotcha. a fantastic jump rope. Really cool. Hey, I want to thank you for coming on and being with us and talking to us. Amanda Klutz. Rope NYC. Thank you so much, Amanda Klutz. It was really, really helpful to hear. And uh, I hope a lot of people will understand that there's this product that can be so helpful for them. I do too. Thank you. Well, spring has arrived and I hope it's a beautiful day for you. And we'll see you next time on The Cannabis Corner. Mm -hmm. 